Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, November 9th. Today on the show, could Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky be changing leagues? There is one obvious reason why the Nashville Predators have surged over 500. Some Tennessee Titans defensive line statistics you need to know. But we begin with what SEC football fans need to be watching during the college football playoff rankings release on Tuesday night. If you live in Nashville and you own a home, then you need to know the name The Kingston Group. They've been doing work in this market for a decade on people's houses, making people money and making them happy because they are trustworthy and they know what they're doing. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. BuildKG.com is the website. The Kingston Group. Give them a call. Have a conversation. You will be better for it, and I promise you that. I give you my word. That's The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. The second edition of the college football playoff rankings will come out Tuesday evening, and we have already will have a new top four as Michigan State lost to Purdue. Previously undefeated top 10 Wake Forest also lost. So what does that mean for the SEC, and what should SEC fans be paying attention to outside of, of course, Georgia being number one? Well, first, despite just six yards rushing against LSU, I don't see how the committee can drop Alabama. Who else belongs? Oregon is barely winning each week. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Cincinnati... I just don't see Alabama falling, but keep an eye on the tide. Secondly, how high does the committee move Texas A&M? How high do they climb? They were 14th last week, and they dominated number 13 Auburn and have a win over Alabama while multiple teams ahead of them have lost. I have the Aggies at 7, and that's not where they're going to be when the rankings come out on Tuesday. But they will and should be the highest two-loss team of anybody in America, and they still could win the SEC West. So how high do they move is critical in the rankings on Tuesday evening. Ole Miss should also move up, and how far does Auburn fall? The Tigers handled the Rebels with relative ease just a few weeks ago. How far apart are those two? And are both still top 15 teams? That would help bolster the resumes across the SEC. How far does Kentucky and Mississippi State fall after tough, hard-fought losses to pretty good teams? And does that mean that Tennessee or Arkansas can crack the top 25? I think the Hogs have a slightly better chance than the Vols, but it is worth watching for both fan bases. My top four is Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And I'm fully prepared to argue on Twitter to the death on Tuesday night because that's what we do on Tuesdays in November. It's a college football tradition unlike any other. I know I've mentioned this a lot for the Tennessee Titans over the past few weeks, but I wanted to reiterate it now that we've got some stats to look at after week number nine. And that is that if you want to call the Tennessee Titans a Super Bowl contender, I, I think that's okay, but it's not because of Ryan Tannehill. It's not because of the offense. It's, it's not because of the secondary or the special teams. It is because of the defensive line. The defensive line, something that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel have been trying to fix for years has now become one of the most dominant groups in the league. We all know the numbers. The Titans had 19 sacks last year in the NFL, 30th in the league. Well, in just nine games, have they blown past that total from last season? They now have 23 sacks after their win against the Rams, good for seventh in the NFL. They are first in the league without blitzing. They have 19 sacks, a 30% pressure rate, without blitzing. That is first in the league in sacks and second in pressure percentage, according to ESPN Stats and Info. That means the Titans don't have to use anyone else to mess with your quarterback. And if you can do that, you can win almost every football game you play. 
they can survive without Derrick Henry playing 500 football. The schedule gets easier. They've got a commanding lead in the division. Do I expect him to take the one seed home without Derrick Henry? That's a tall ask. But as long as this defensive line, the law firm of Dupree, Landry, Simmons, Tart, and Autry, as long as those five guys are healthy on the field and producing the way they've produced the last three or four weeks, there is no one in the league that this Titans team can't beat. Obviously, they weren't all fully healthy for the Arizona game, and they made a ton of mistakes against the Jets. And if you look at Ryan Tannehill's efficiency numbers, they are significantly worse. Some of that has been the offensive line and the injuries to Julio Jones and losing Jonu Smith and now losing Derrick Henry. But Ryan Tannehill's still finding ways to win games in the fourth quarter. The reason they are in games in the fourth quarter, though, is because of this defensive line. And if they are going to make a run to the Super Bowl, yes, it would be ideal that Derrick Henry comes back healthy. But number one, first and foremost, they won't go anywhere without a defensive line pressuring the quarterback. And right now, they are among the best defensive lines in the entire league. Number one, at sacking the quarterback without blitzing. That means their defensive line right now is the most active in the league. And as long as that group is doing its job, this team can win every single Sunday, even without Derrick Henry. Here's a quick Nashville Predators update for you because this team is actually pretty damn fun to watch, even if they don't make the playoffs, even without Philip Forsberg, who's on the shelf with an upper body injury. But these dudes play really, really hard on both ends of the ice for all 60 minutes. And oh, by the way, UC Soros is starting to do crazy things again. After a win over Vancouver on Friday evening and an overtime loss to Chicago on Sunday, the Preds are now 6-5-1 on the season and are currently sitting in a playoff spot. Yes, it's far too early to start talking about the standings. But the Preds have collected five of the possible eight points on their road trip so far, which features two more Central Division games against Dallas on Wednesday and St. Louis on Thursday before finally returning home on Saturday. And the reason the team is 5-1-1 over their last seven is Soros. He is 4-0-1 in his last five starts, allowing 1.76 goals per game and a save percentage of 945. Those numbers are unsustainable across an entire season. But there is no signs that Soros is slowing down. Matt Duchesne is also a big part of this team's nice early start as well. He's got five goals and 10 points in 12 games. He had just six goals and 13 points in all of last season. And Ryan Johansson is scoring goals too. He's got four this season and had just seven all of last year. And of course, Roman Yossi is on an absolute tear, averaging a point per game so far. If Saros is going to play Vesna-level hockey like this, and the three highest-paid players on the team are going to provide scoring punch like they have then the work John Hines is doing to develop the young players around those stars to create a 200-foot team that battles on every shift, then this Predators team could absolutely outperform their preseason expectations. Their current pace would give them about 89 points, which would hit the Vegas over pretty safely, but may not be good enough for a playoff spot. I guess do with that information what you will. And be sure to tune in every single Thursday morning to the Gold Standard Podcast, the best Preds pod on the planet, with the Athletics' Adam Vingan and myself talking Nashville Predators hockey everywhere pods are found. A conversation and a decision that has sort of flown under the radar in Nashville sports is Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee's decision to either join the MAC or not over the next day or two. It appears that the MAC only wants Western Kentucky if Middle Tennessee State actually decides to go, and that Middle Tennessee is having some issues with the financing of the whole thing. Some of the financial decisions are going to be travel expenses, having to fly all over the, the Rust Belt, essentially, for a team in Nashville. 
as well as TV revenue and stability. Now, the good news is, is joining the MAC, you would actually probably see Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky by default featured more prominently on national networks and national time slots because Maction has taken over Tuesdays and Wednesdays, especially later in the year. There actually is plenty of benefit financially to the football program from an exposure standpoint to make this move. Conference USA right now is completely fledgling, and staying in the league has enormous risk for Middle Tennessee State. The other angle to all of this, and it's the exact same reason that the Missouri Valley wanted Belmont basketball, and that is the MAC wants their franchises, their programs, their football brands in the South and in Nashville. They want to attract student athletes. They want to attract students from down here in the Sun Belt. And so it makes total sense for the MAC to expand outward from Ohio and the Rust Belt in the Midwest down into the Sun Belt into Tennessee. So the key here is going to be does the money make sense for Middle Tennessee? The MAC is probably a more stable conference long term. And with the right coaches and investment, you could probably win that league pretty well, considering your recruiting base for Middle Tennessee and for Western Kentucky are probably better than most schools in the MAC. So it's actually a really fascinating decision. Uh, it seems weird. It seems odd on at, at first glance. But I think once you peel back the layers and you understand the actual financial ramifications, just like Belmont going to the Missouri Valley, you are upgrading your status and your stability and your prestige when you go to the MAC because Conference USA has been decapitated. And for Middle Tennessee to decide something like this right now, they may not have another chance to take a jump and change leagues. Uh, I was hoping that they would end up in the American Athletic Conference, maybe the Sun Belt. It doesn't seem like that's on the table. So the next best option is probably the MAC. And you know why the MAC wants to be in Nashville. So we'll see what happens. Just keep an eye on Middle Tennessee State and Western Kentucky over the next day or two. Of course, special thanks to the Kingston Group for bringing you this podcast every single morning for free. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they can be found at buildkg.com. Why do anything major on your house, spend a ton of money on your house, without having a conversation with a trusted professional who's going to look out for your best interests. This is where the Kingston Group comes in. BuildKG.com is the website. Go talk to them. That's all I ask. Thank you guys all for listening, of course. You can follow us on Instagram at 440 Media, at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Again, thank you all for listening. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, November 9th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.